Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Esther Blum is the best-selling author of Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. She is also the author of the book we'll be discussing today, See You Later, Ovulator, Mastering Menopause with Nutrition, Hormones, and Self-Advocacy. She has appeared on major media outlets, such as the Goop Podcast, Dr. Oz, Today, and more. She is also an in-demand authority, frequently quoted in e-online, in Touch, Time Magazine, the New York Post, the Los Angeles Times, InStyle, Bazaar, Self, Fitness, Marie Claire, and Cosmo, among others. Esther has several credentials as a registered dietitian and a certified dietitian nutritionist. She is also a member of the American Dietetic Association, Dietitians in Functional Medicine, Nutritionists in Complementary Care, and the Connecticut Dietetic Association. Esther currently runs a virtual practice where she helps women balance hormones, lose stubborn body fat, and treat the root cause of health struggles. She lives in Connecticut with her family, where she can be found cooking up a storm, going for long hikes, and blasting 80s music by the fire pit. Esther Blum, what an absolute That's honor right. it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Ah, oh, Casey, you're the best. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's so great to have you. For the listener, I just want to point out that I cut out a lot of really important and cool things out of your intro to include the last part that we can catch you um, blasting 80s music by the fire pit. I hope you would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's to me, like I think of my past life, I was either a race car driver or a singer in an 80s rock band. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for one, sure. One thing I failed to mention in the introduction, I don't see this anywhere. You were actually nominated as Miss Menopause 2022. I saw the acceptance <laughs> speech and everything. I don't remember seeing like headlines about that, but that's that's amazing. Yeah, I nominated myself. I gave myself the award. And um, the cool thing is one of my really good friends is a writer out in uh, Calabasas. And he was like, you know, you can borrow one of my Emmys anytime. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Uh, I'm terrified to hold and drop that thing. Yeah, seriously. But yes. Yes. And I, in my, in my acceptance speech, I did thank my uterus and ovaries. Uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> the crowd went crazy. I, you got emotional. Like it was really good. On that note, your social media is amazing. I love the way you approach this topic and make it approachable because it is mystified. I, I would say like, this is something I've studied for a long time and I've worked with women for over 15 years and tried to understand. And I feel like it's a topic that the more I learn about, the more confused I get and the more I feel like I don't know about it. And you're really, great at educating people and helping them make things be very uh, simple and easy to understand. And I really appreciate that about you. Before we deep dive into your work, though, I do want to ask, what was it like to be on the Goop podcast? Oh, the best. I mean, Gwenny is my girl, you know, she's just so cool. And, you know, everyone said to me, how did you, how did you get on there? Was it your publicist? No, it, it's just as simple as Gwyneth put out a call to action saying on her Instagram stories, saying she was looking for a menopause mentor. And I was like, well, God damn, I'm qualified. I'll be your menopause mentor. So I, I DM'd her. She responded back. And I was like, look, I've got this book. I sent it to her and her team. I was like, I know I can help you. And then, uh, you know, I was, I was away in Cape Cod, uh, for a girl's weekend and around 11 at night, my phone went off and my publicist was like, girl, check your email. You're going on goop next week. I was like, Whoa. That's amazing. So, wow. So that was great. And it's just, I'm grateful to be, you know, affiliated with that and part of the community because you know what? 
We need the platform. There's 6,000 women going into menopause every day. There should be 1.2 billion women in menopause by 2030. It's not even taught in medical school. Like, what the heck is that about? And so I was like, if I can go through uh, celebrities who are going through it themselves, you know, um, Stacey London has a platform, Naomi Watts, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Tracy Ross was talking about, Michelle Obama was just talking about it this week in People Magazine. So yeah, I'm going to just leverage what, however I can spread the message. Yeah. Because I'm one person, I need support. Judy Greer, too. Shout out to Judy. She and I did an IG Live. That was great, too. Wow, that's amazing. I wouldn't know anything about the Goop podcast if it wasn't for my like 20-year-old college student that I had a few years ago that told me about it. And you're right. <laughs> it's like th- th- we need those platforms to get these messages out because it, it, it's so crazy, the information that you hear out there. Like I was just telling you off air. I was just with my client who's gone through menopause, and she's getting different prescriptions from two different doctors yeah. who are giving her different information about this estrogen is really good. You need to testosterone. This is how you take it. This other doctor is like estrogen is going to cause cancer and all this stuff. And it's so confusing out there. It's really confusing. How did you first get interested in all of this? And why did you decide to write your book? Which is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I decided to write See You Later, Ovulator because of my absolute meno rage. Uh, as women being horribly gaslit by their doctors, women go to their doctors and are given two to three options for menopause. Number one, to sit it out and wait and just wait it out, uh, which could be a 10-year period and beyond. Women in their 70s can still get hot flashes if left untreated. Um, I don't care what the research say, say, this is what I see in practice. Um, number two, they are offered a birth control pill to control really heavy bleeding. Or number three, they're offered an IUD for the same reason. Um, newsflash people, menopause is not a contraceptive deficiency. It is a hormone deficiency and contraceptives suppress, uh, progesterone, right? They're, they're designed to prevent you from ovulating. So they're suppressing progesterone and in perimenopause at, through menopause and beyond, your progesterone levels tend to fall first. And when you have low progesterone with unopposed estrogen running wild, that's going to be my next fun video. It'll be like estrogen gone wild. And I'll be like, <laughs> you know, slugging beer out of a funnel. Um, you know, when estrogen's gone wild, right, you're going to get these massive heavy bleeds. You're going to get clots. You're going to be irritable, have sore boobs, weight gain, and just cry even at a tissue commercial. So, you know, putting a woman on the pill and further suppressing her progesterone will really worsen the physical symptoms, but also the emotional symptoms because a lack of progesterone causes a tremendous amount of anxiety in women and and panic attacks out of nowhere when you've uh, never suffered from this before. So my goal in writing the book was to get a couple of key messages out. One is that early intervention is key to smooth out the bumps. You don't have to suffer through menopause. You don't have to gain all the weight and uh, lose sleep at night and suffer with vaginal dryness and irritability and moodiness and anxiety. Um, Number two, early intervention is also important to offset and, and bioidentical hormones are wonderful to offset heart disease, Alzheimer's and bone loss. So that's really important. And number three, um, the self-advocacy piece is to teach women that if your doctor is 
not giving you support and offers you any of those three options I discussed earlier, run for the hills, find another doctor. You know, we're so um, afraid to confront someone in a white coat, but guess what? This book gives you the tools. It gives you the research studies and no, they're not the most perfectly designed research studies, but they're pretty damn good. And so if you say, look, I have research studies in hand in published medical journals. I am interested in exploring bioidentical hormones. I know something's wrong with me. Here are the tests that I'd like you to do. And if a doctor shoes you away, find a doctor, plenty of other doctors who will partner with you and who do telemedicine and will work remotely if there's no one in your area. Yeah, that's amazing. I want to deep dive into all of that. Before we do, maybe we could take a really, you know, big view, a 30,000 foot view about the kind of the cycles that the women go through over their life. So we're all clear about the terms and when things happen and when things shift. Well, so obviously menstruation happens anywhere from, you know, age 9, 10, 11 through uh, the time when you hit perimenopause. Now, the only difference between perimenopause and menopause, uh, the big difference is that with menopause, you go 12 consecutive months without a period. The average age of menopause is 51 and your hormones are declining and in a steady state. In perimenopause, which can happen, you know, typically in your 40s, but I want to say to women out there, I have had women in my practice go through menopause in their late 20s. So again, if you know that your cycle's really off and things are not business as usual, get your hormones checked. It's really important because something could really be off. And so in perimenopause, you do get these wild estrogen fluctuations up to 30% on any given day, which is wow. why a lot of doctors are like, I'm not going to bother testing you. You're going to be all over the place. You can still test people even with fluctuating estrogen levels and hormone levels. So um, it's really important that we you know, give women, every woman deserves exquisite menno care. Yeah. So is it is it like menstruating that menopause is happening earlier and earlier in most girls' lives in this day and age than it used to? It can definitely happen earlier with stress or trauma, but I, I haven't necessarily see it trending earlier yet. Now, again, my practice is not, you know, 6,000 people a year, so I can't, I'm not 100% sure if it's happening earlier, but I can tell you certainly menstrual cycles are happening earlier. We have more and more fertility issues. And so much of this, the good news is, is that so much of this is lifestyle-based. Like I have seen miracles happen just by changing diet and lifestyle and throwing a couple supplements in the mix. So don't give up hope. Like none of this is hopeless. And that was the other thing is I really want to inspire hope and empowerment with women and say, this is fixable and figure outable. Like I'm living proof. If I can do it, certainly anybody else can. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was actually going to be my next question is why do we need to be talking about this in this day and age? And I was wondering if it's yeah. all the different lifestyle things that are going on that are putting us in this position. There are. I mean, just think about, it's so funny because as we record this, right, daylight saving time happened where it's lighter in the morning and it's darker earlier guess what? Like this is actually the way it's supposed to be. This is how nature intended it to be where you rise with the sun and sleep with the moon. And that is the most natural cycle we have with artificial light, with cell phones and um, 
you know, cell phones are just, it's basically like cocaine for your brain. I mean, you're just hitting every scroll, like, swipe. That's like dopamine, 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 dopamine. So your brain is lit up like a Christmas tree and you have all the blue light coming in. So you're not making melatonin. And let me tell you, I look at melatonin levels of women and most people have very poor melatonin. I've tested my own. It's really high because I'm very good about putting my cell phone away by 8 p.m. And so it's like, I'm not looking at it. I'm reading a book. Maybe I'll watch TV. But for the most part, that hour before bed is stretching, breathing, meditating, just sometimes just laying in bed with a dog, just staring at the ceiling and thinking or you know journaling like, we need to calm down. And so that lifestyle piece is hard. COVID was really hard because people are working more. Um, they're again, in front of their computers a lot, but you're better off going to bed. If you do have an intense work schedule, you're better off going to bed early and waking up early than staying up late and waking up late because your body does the most restorative healing and the most growth hormone production and cortisol lowering between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. And if you're a night shift worker, that shifts from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. But so 10 to 2 is your window where you really want to front load your sleep. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about my sauna time at around 730 and my eight o'clock bedtime. I don't really fudge on that and I have to miss some football games on TV, but that's totally fine. I feel so much better when I can wake up at five without an alarm and feel ready and rested for my day. So I absolutely love that. You talked about the overload of stress. Is that another thing that is a big problem in our day and age is just an overload load across, you know, all the many things you mentioned, not only just, you know, work stress or, you know, too much screens, but also like the food that we consume or the jobs we work or transportation, whatever, like, is that all part of all of this? It is. And we tend to take our stress out. So, well, a couple of things happen, right? Number one, your body evolutionarily, we, we, our DNA is millions of years old. So your body, your brain cannot tell the difference between you know, you being a caveman, like running from a saber tooth tiger that wandered into the cave where you're sleeping and crap, I missed my deadlines. I am not going to get paid because I didn't, or I could lose my job. And, you know, we have to send our kid to private school and tuition's expensive or food inflation right now. I mean, the world is, there's a lot to worry about, uh, at times And so your body, your fight or flight center is activated all the time. And as adults, you know, when you're a kid, right, you're crossing the street, a car comes out, you jump, you're like, you get the adrenaline rush in a couple minutes, that's all under control and back to baseline. As an adult, we don't have the resilience. So your cortisol stays elevated quite a lot. Um, And especially at night, it really interferes with our sleep. And then, you know, our cortisol curve really gets altered and not in a positive way. Um, And the other piece of the puzzle is our food. We're taking, you know, we're numbing ourselves with, you know, jacking ourselves up with caffeine during the day and alcohol at night. And, you know, rather than learning to manage stress, like your body has the tools to manage stress. It's just your breath. And people say, I can't meditate. I suck at meditating. If you've ever like daydreamed in the shower or, or like zoned out when you were driving, your brain was in a meditative state. You were making alpha waves in those conditions. So 10 minutes of deep breathing a night also helps with alpha wave production. It reshapes the amygdala, the fight or flight center in your brain. 
and calms things down. You need to do this at least eight weeks consecutively to build the muscle. And the longer you do it, the better it gets. I remember when I first started meditating, my brain was a monkey mind. All I heard was chatter, 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 chatter. And I was like, wow, I had to really keep coming back to my breath. Now, the longer you practice it, you know, every day you build the muscle and it gets easier and your brain associates like three breaths and you can be passed out asleep. So the benefits come with time, but it's a far better, you know, outcome for your body when you learn to handle the stress. Yeah, I love that. And I think we all have this idea that we need to live in a cave as a monk or something to be able to achieve that level of mindfulness. But, but you know, even paying for the Calm app, which I paid for for a number of years, for like 20 cents a day or 30 cents a day or whatever it was, you could run a meditation that goes for five or 10 minutes. I, I did them when I was on my morning walks and they totally reframed my mind. It was so important. And it was all about consistency. It wasn't necessarily the length of time that I did it. Even if I had less than 10 minutes, just a short meditation and just practicing, like you said, and being consistent with it, I found to be of huge importance. All right. Well, you're going to totally crack up in this Casey too, but I actually meditated on being on the Goop podcast for eight months before it happened. No way. Yeah. And so meditation, here's another insight I want to share. It's really um, one of the most powerful ones. So my doctor is Tom Moorcroft, who really brought me back from the dead from Lyme and mold. And uh, he led while I was in my early days of treatment with him, he started a meditation RX course. I actually put the link in my book. Um, No financial ties. I just I just thought it was a great course. And what he taught us was, you know, it's not that you're not dreaming, but you're not going big enough with your dreams. So he was like, so if you want to, you know, something I really struggled with when I was really sick was I couldn't lift weights. I could only, I had a flat cortisol curve. I wasn't even in the like lowest levels. I was below the lowest level. So if I lifted weights, I crashed and felt nauseous and hypoglycemic for two days after. So um, I envisioned myself lifting weights. I envisioned like the book changing the lives of millions of women around the globe. And I did envision like some very big celebrity connections. And so when I called my friends say, Hey, I'm I'm going on goop. They were like, yeah, we're not even surprised. Like, of course you've been, you've been meditating on this for a long time, but, but I did meditate on myself being able to, to lift weights again. And, and about eight months later I was lifting weights. So it really, you know, it's, it's really important to, um, get your creative mind going in the process too, because that gets us out of our stress too. If we're a lot of stress, I think comes from not being in alignment with your dreams and your hopes. And when that happens, like you've got to go bigger, man, you've got to invite the divine or the universe to collaborate with you, to partner with you. Um, a great book to read on this is outrageous openness mm-hmm. by Tosha silver. It's on my bedside has been for 10 years. Um, you know, we really have to think and that also shifts, you know, it puts you in a more of a space of gratitude. So you let go of the stress. You can always find the good in every day. I love that. Wow. That is amazing advice. That's such a powerful tool. And that's it. I'm going to meditate on being a Formula One driver for the next eight months. That's <laughs> done, done deal. Awesome. 
Before, and it shall be done. It shall be done. It's going to be great. Actually, I would, would not climb in one of those cars if you paid me. So anyway, that won't work. Um, let, <laughs> before we talk about some of the other lifestyle things that are so important, like nutrition and supplementation, I want to make sure we cover hormone replacement therapy and some of the stigmas around it. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of how this came about? And, and yeah, one particular study that just keeps coming up as like this problem child that anyway, it's, it's a story is so weird. And if you're familiar with any kind of story in the health world, uh, you know, how studies are done or whatever, you're pretty familiar with a lot of scams and scandals and all this stuff. But can you tell us a little bit about hormonal therapy and how this came about? Yes. The biggest disservice to women, uh, two generations of women at least was done with the women's health initiative study. Uh, this was done this took the study design, first of all, I don't know what clown designed this study, but it took women who were 10 years out of menopause and then said, oh, gee, let's replenish their hormones derived from the urine of pregnant horses. Because, wow, that seems biocompatible with a woman's physiology Is who's that 10 years post menopause. Is that as weird as it sounds? Like, right on, is that, <laughs> like, that sounds to me really weird. I don't know much about pregnant horses, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, not taking okay. synthetic hormones derived from that. Um, I, I can't believe they got women to volunteer for this study. And like these women must have really been suffering and looking for some alternative. Um, and and they then concluded uh, when the study was done that, oh, yes, hormones are dangerous. You're good, putting yourself at risk for clots, strokes and heart disease and and, um, you know, you're going to die taking this stuff. So they took women off. I think it was Prempro uh, was the name of the hormone. In 2018 and in 2022, the national, um, the, pardon me, the North American Menopause Society put out position papers saying, yeah, that was a poorly designed study. The data is really not quality. And actually what we're learning is that hormones, especially bioidentical hormones, <clears throat> are not only safe for at least 10 years post-menopause, but beneficial in preventing chronic diseases of aging, such as Alzheimer's disease, bone loss, and heart disease. And they have zero to minimal risk of stroke or heart attack or blood clots. The problem is, so yay, that's a total victory. The problem is the pamphlets in pharmacies have not been updated right? You get this long warning label. Um, doctor's offices are not updating their pamphlets either. And again, women are just being given the pill or an IUD for a prescription versus bioidentical hormones. And it's like, it's so egregious to me. One of the, one of the stories I put in the book was uh, one of my clients said, yeah, I, I went to my GYN and I was like, I'm not sleeping at all. And she was like, well, if you want, I'll give you a prescription of the pill. What I personally do is take Benadryl shots every night. And I was like, you're, don't you, as a female doctor going through menopause, don't you want to solve your own menopause? Like, why are you settling for crap care? And I think it's because her doctor didn't know a damn thing about either. So you know, it's, that's what I really don't understand is why female doctors going through menopause aren't looking for better alternatives for themselves either. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the nutrition guidelines from 2015, where it's like cholesterol is no longer a nutrient of concern. They don't 
come right out and have a parade and tell everybody like we were wrong. Like it's buried on page 34 of the driest report you've ever yeah. seen. Like they don't come out and tell you this kind of thing. So, so what, they is, don't. what is the difference between bioidentical and synthetic hormones? This is not something mm -hmm. I understand super well. So bioidentical hormones are plant-based. They are physiologically compatible with our bodies, meaning if you are taking orally or topically a bioidentical hormone, your body can't distinguish between your own either ovarian production of hormones or adrenal production of hormones because after menopause, the switch flips and really your adrenals pick up the slack when your ovaries shut down with hormone production. So um, the delivery system can be in what's called a trochee, which is a lozenge that gets absorbed through the oral mucosa. You can use patches, you can use creams, you can use vaginal inserts. Um, synthetic hormones, can, you know, uh, synthetic hormone replenishment um, is derived in a, a laboratory. It's less biocompatible and it doesn't have the same physiological benefits. In particular, progestogen, which is the synthetic progesterone, doesn't hit up the neurotransmitters in the brain the way bioidentical progesterone does. So let's say a woman comes to me with insomnia and she's perimenopausal. I'll test her hormones and often discover, you know, her progesterone's really low. Well, progesterone is a precursor to GABA, which is a very calming neurotransmitter. And so when you give a woman progesterone, all of a sudden, you know, she's calmer. Progesterone's like a kitten and estrogen's like a tiger, right? So when you bring in more of the soft little kitten uh, into your chemistry, you're just going to feel more balanced and happier. And, um, you know, your, your periods will be a non-event if you're still getting them. So it's really important that, you know, bioidenticals are also much more easy to customize and titrate. I mean, you can take that lozenge or it's called a trochee. You can take a trochee, you can cut it into quarters if you want. With creams, if you're applying a syringe, you can adjust the dose in the syringe. In one day, you can adjust your dosage. Synthetic hormones, harder to regulate and adjust. And also the big no-no, you want to stay away from our hormone pellets because that's also another um, branch of hormone replenishment where doctors insert pellets into your butt muscle, basically, and close you up and then just let the hormones release, you know, on their own time. So you have no ability to regulate. There's a lot of side effects that I've seen in my clients, like weight gain, irritability, a sex drive that scares the hell out of their partners, um, but also hair loss on their head and, and hair growth on the face. So um, it's really hard to regulate. And there's no studies on trochees. There aren't a lot of studies of bioidentical hormones, but there's enough to at least justify their um, usage. And I, I put a lot of them in the book. Wow. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you made a post about that recently about the pellets. I'm just curious, is it the same for dudes as it is for females? I know a lot of guys who are getting a lot of pellets injected every six months. It, it, it seems like that would also not be the best idea. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, I don't, I, I haven't seen a ton of men in my practice, but the ones I did see over the years with pellets, their estrogen was aromatizing to, um, pardon me, their testosterone was aromatizing to estrogen and they became estrogen dominant and they were coming to me for weight loss. And I was like, get off the pellet, just use a topical cream like, or a gel. 
because you don't need to, you can even give testosterone via a trochee. So it bypasses the gut and the liver. Um, but yeah, I don't, I really don't like the, the pellets at all. And, um, also the problem is, is the dosing, right? When a woman is postmenopausal, she does not need to have the hormone levels of a 20 year old. She's not trying to ovulate and reproduce. So our hormones can naturally be lower. And really the replenishment dose is about a fifth of the dose of a birth control pill. So the pellets jack your levels up to like four times of what your baseline is. So the minute you start to, those levels start to decline, menopausal symptoms come back. The fatigue comes back, the low energy, the brain fog. Testosterone is very important for women, very important, but the delivery system can be a lot more relaxed. (laughs) You don't need a Ferrari at this point, ladies. Like a Jeep is real solid. We'll still get you there and we'll work great. Wow. I love that. Thank you. That was such a great explanation. And from what I know about the women Mm. clients that I have that are on bioidentical hormones and hormone replacement therapy, all I know is that they, they know that it is necessary. They feel amazing when they're on it. And if I said you can't be on it anymore or whatever, they would probably stab me in the neck. Like they (laughs) describe like, like what it's like to be off of it or before they were treated. And afterwards you've already described a bunch of the health benefits, but, but are there any other health benefits that people notice when, when they're on the right hormones and given the right way? Yes. Cognitive function. And this is the biggest issue that cognitive function and mental health changes are totally unaddressed in uh, perimenopause and menopause. And, you know, without, and all three hormones work synergistically, people think, oh, you just need estrogen for cognitive function. You need estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Each hormone handles a different segment of your cognitive function, you know, um, and I may not get exactly right, which does what, but across the board, you know, forming new memories, learning new concepts, um, differentiations with your vocabulary. Um, you really do need, um, all three hormones in conjunction with each other for, cognitive function and a reduction in brain fog for mental focus as well. And so, and the cool thing is, you know, I can tell you, remember a while back, I told you I had a flat cortisol curve. Like I had been on adrenal supplements. I did all the lifestyle pieces. What brought my cortisol curve back was when I added in hormones. Wow. My, I actually have a cortisol curve now and I'm able to lift weights, but it took me going on hormones to do that. Just nothing else did it. Wow. And people ask, you know, are hormones really necessary? I feel fine. Absolutely. Just take bone density alone. Um, the research shows you can take your calcium and you can take your magnesium and all the trace minerals and your vitamin D and get sunshine and eat whole foods and do weight bearing exercises. You will still struggle with bone loss if you don't have estrogen in the picture. So if, if you are someone who is on, um, you know, estrogen blockers, you have cancer, you've had cancer, talk to your doctor about it because I have plenty of women who I treat who have gone through cancer treatment and the doctors are actually okay bringing in some low dose estrogen because the quality of life issue outweighs 
the risk of cancer. So work with your doctor to truly assess your cancer risk. And there's a great book on the subject that I list in my references called Estrogen Matters. And it is a wonderful book and just talks about how, you know, estrogens and and hormones really aren't necessarily causing the cancer. It's really the detox pathways that are the problem. People are so terrified they're going to get cancer. And if your liver, this is why I do the testing I do, I look at um, hormone and gut testing and make sure you're detoxifying both the liver and the gut. And when you do that, you are going to move your hormones out. You're not going to, they're not going to go down the pro-inflammatory pathways. They're going to clear out of your system and all systems are go. Wow. I, I think I think it's so important with the threat of cancer being so low on such a low dose of hormones. People need to know that because there are people that are scared about this kind of thing. I had no idea about the cognition and, and hormone therapy. Uh, I think that's amazing. And I can just say anecdotally, I know two women who are doing it and they are in very high pressure, high stress jobs and they crush it. They can work long hours. They, they do really well professionally. And I, I wonder if other people who, who don't have that advantage probably wouldn't be able to perform at that level. And again, that's just pure anecdote from women that I see, but it's certainly something that I notice, and I've never put the two and two together. Yeah. And well, you know, and you're like so many women, we walk into the room and we're like, wait, what am I here for? And then you go back to the place you were before and then say, oh, right. And then you walk into the room and then you check your phone and then like a text comes in and then you forget all over again. So it really is important to have the support for cognition, neuroplasticity, you know, focus, all of that is so key to run a successful business, to run a family. I'm not saying I don't forget things. I still come home from the grocery store, even with things on my list that I have not gotten. I'm like, well, that got overlooked somehow. But usually that's from me multitasking and not really focusing. So I do have to work harder at focus than I used to. But still, I can run really long days and be okay. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really important point. I I do think it's interesting that you talk about when women should think about getting on uh, hormones. And and it's a lot earlier than I would have assumed. Why is that so critical Mm -hmm. not to wait until women are already in menopause? Well, number one, quality of life. I mean, if you can eliminate the suffering and the weight gain and the insomnia and the low sex drive during perimenopause and depression and anxiety, then your journey through menopause is much easier. Obviously, you have to clean up. Now, bear in mind too, it's a it's a slice of the pie, right? You've got to have a good diet, healthy lifestyle, not drink a lot of alcohol, limit caffeine, exercise, strength train, stress management. That's really the whole spectrum. Don't think you're going to out-hormone your lifestyle choices. This is not the end-all be-all. But if you're doing all those baseline things and you're not feeling great, adding in hormones, boom, can get you back really quickly. You also want to make sure that you're supporting your detox pathways, as we mentioned. Um, fiber is a great way to do this. People are like, how do I detox? Just eat a couple tablespoons of chia or flax seeds. The lignans in those Uh, And the fiber in those seeds bind excess estrogen. This is for men and women um, and help pull them out. Uh, Cruciferous vegetables also help your liver metabolize estrogen beautifully. So broccoli, cauliflower, 
radishes, kale, Brussels sprouts, artichokes, you know, all of those are like super powerful liver detoxifiers as well. Um, so yes, having all those pieces in place can help improve quality of life. But the other thing you want to think about is the sooner you bring them in, the sooner you offset all those chronic diseases of aging. So you don't have to wait until you're fully menopausal and suffering for, I was like, so women are saying they're suffering for a full year before they're going to start hormones. That is so silly. And, you know, I, I'm, mentored by so many doctors in functional medicine. I, I didn't learn all this on my own. And we've been having conversations for years about this. So, um, you know, it's in case anyone's like, why is the dietitian taking all this on? You know, even the doctors are who are in the know are in the know. And you don't, here's the other thing too, is, you know, North American Menopause Society is saying 10 years is kind of the cutoff where you kind of can do hormones for 10 years and then bye-bye. I have women in my practice in their seventies who've been on hormones for 20 years. They're like, wow. I'm never going to stop. Um, and because progesterone is a natural steroid, it's a natural anti-inflammatory. So it really helps with joint aches and pains. Um, estrogen, you know, keeps your skin beautiful, wrinkle-free or uh, less wrinkled. I should say, if you've had a lot of sun exposure, you're going to wrinkle. Um, but you know, so they, they really do keep you young, healthy libido. If you've ever heard like Suzanne Summers talk about her and her husband, totally getting it on all the time. Like that is hysterical, but they're both loaded up a lot of hormones, but you know, it works. Working for him. Yeah. Like more power to you, ladies. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for all of that. We're, we love the carnivore diet around here. I love to help coach people on the carnivore diet. And I constantly have to be reminded that that, that diet is not for everybody all the time. It can be used as a tool short term. Some people thrive on it for the rest of their life. Other people, they need to get more things worked back into the diet. Maybe you couldn't yeah. handle certain vegetables or certain, you know, amount of fiber, but, but you can work some of that stuff in. And I love how you talk about carbohydrate usage and how you structure that in the body. I think a lot of us yes. get stuck in low carbohydrate turns into keto, turns into no carbohydrate, and everybody becomes terrified of carbohydrates, but you have a really targeted approach that is still, I would consider very low carbohydrate and you seem to yeah. time them very differently. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I have three meno laws for fat loss. Um, one is optimizing your protein diet, optimizing the protein in your diet, which you have no problem doing on a carnivore diet, but even on a paleo based diet, you know, this I've done the math. I've calculated the macros on thousands of women. For the most part, people fall between four to six ounces a meal, three to four times a day. Um, that is a really nice amount of protein to aim for. I really like to target ideally, you know, 140, 150 grams for most women, but a lot of women realistically get about hundred to 120. I feel like they're eating just all the protein in the world. Yeah. So why do we want protein? Anyone listening to this podcast must know that it's going to really support your brain biochemistry. It's going to raise your serotonin and dopamine, give you good mental focus. It's also going to sustain your blood sugar for four to six hours after you eat it. And that is going to control your appetite. That's why you can binge out on, you know, a sleeve of Oreos, but no one has binged out on half a cow and, you know, it's hunger shuts off satiety in the brain. So you're going to register fullness and it's always an abundance of riches. When a woman has had 
history of disordered eating or eating disorder. And they're like, I can't even finish all this food. It's like, what a high class problem to have, right? Talk about healing your relationship with food and your body. And you're like, my body's not my enemy. I just didn't have good blood sugar support, you know? So that's really, really uh, exceptionally cool in my opinion. So rule number two is have your ratios of protein be higher than your carbohydrates. And people say, well, I don't know how to count all that. Just pop your food in a tracker for three days, right? And just record everything you're eating. Generally, most people, when they're struggling with fat loss post-menopause, it's because their carb ratios are much higher than their protein. They're having about 150 to 200 grams of carbs and about 80 grams of protein. And when we flip those ratios and get women, you know, 120, 130, 40 grams of protein, and your carbs are anywhere from 100 to 120, then the fat loss happens and, and you're happy, your thyroid's happy. Um, your mood is happy. So that's because you feel like, oh, I can eat carbs and still lose weight. Keto, Kent, for any of you listening curious about keto, keto and a carnivore diet seems to work very well. And this is more what I've observed in my practice, but the research does support it too, is that it works great for women for about three months. It really helps resolve hot flashes triggered from hypoglycemic episodes. And uh, it's a great way to just torch your body fat. But after about three months, the weight starts to come back on because your thyroid needs some carb to convert T4 to the active form of thyroid hormone T3. So what I do suggest is titrating your way up if you are on keto to, you know, 80, 100, 110 grams of carbs or cycling when you're working out, intermittent fasting, another great thing to do for fat loss. Um, and the third mental law for fat loss is carbs at night. And most people are like, they look at me like I have 10 heads. And the person who taught me this was actually world-renowned strength coach, Charles Poliquin. Uh, he taught me this like 20 years ago and I'm like a hundred. So, uh, <laughs> but the, but you know, we are more insulin sensitive. Um, uh, we can tolerate carbs better at night. So I say protein by day and carbs at night. Why do we want carbs at night? Because that little bump in insulin, I'm assuming you're going to pair this with a protein and, and fibrous vegetables, but so you'll get less of an insulin bump than if you're just eating, you know, a plate of pasta, but I'm talking like sweet potatoes, quinoa, winter squash, if you tolerate legumes, you know, whole food carbs and vegetables. So that little bump in insulin tamps down your cortisol. So you're going to sleep much better and it does raise your serotonin and dopamine. So you're going to feel relaxed, sleepy, and calm um, and get a great night's sleep. And that will ultimately restore your insulin sensitivity. So those are kind of my laws for fat loss. And the nice thing is it's real lifestyle based. Like these are things people live with and feel comfortable doing and really don't have to go to extremes to lose weight either. Yeah, I love that. I think that's totally reasonable. And I think we are learning more and more about carbohydrates later at night being more beneficial. So I think that is a great idea. I think that's wonderful. And again, I do think that's very doable for a lot of people. Um, I think 
you know, carnivore style diet can work a little bit better for men. I don't think it works as well for most women, especially in the long term. And by cycling in, especially, I do think that helps quite a bit. So I love that you mentioned intermittent fasting. And obviously, there's lots of different yeah. strategies that people can work in there. But generally speaking, do you do you agree that anything within like, you know, 16 to 24 hours is generally safe as long as women aren't pushing that too far or doing that too frequently? Oh yeah. Uh, you're talking about the intermittent fasting window. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that I, more than, more than I would say like intermittent fasting is in like you're fasting for multiple days, but anything inside of like 16 hours of fasting or up to 24 hours of fasting being pretty safe for most people. If you've got the fat to lose and you feel good and you're not doing it like all the time. Yes. And so that, so intermittent fasting, you know, I, I start off really gentle again, like a 12 hour fast, right? Where you finish dinner by 7 PM and you don't eat until seven or 8 AM the next morning. If you feel good doing that, then you can start after a week or two, then you can start, you know, lengthening your fast and shortening your eating window. So keeping your window between 10 to six or 12 to six, that seems to work really well. But also there's the 5-2 method, which is seems to be like the favorite among my clients, which is five days business as usual. You just eat your normal amount of calories and food. And then two days a week, you have one meal that's 500 calories. So like four ounces of protein, two cups of vegetables, and half um, half a cup of starch, basically. And that is, and, and not doing those days consecutively, that is another great way to really torch body fat yeah. um, in, in really stubborn fat loss cases. That's fantastic. And that's not really pushing the envelope as far as, you know, your fasting practice getting further and further out. I, I see a lot of people who have great success by just going to that 12 hour window. Like you said, it's not yeah. necessarily that you have to get to 12 and then go to 14 and then go to 16. Like you might be just fine at 12. So that's a really good point. I love that. We have mentioned exercise and I love seeing your evolution in thinking and exercise. Can you tell us how that's evolved over time and what you think is the very best thing to do for exercise today <laughs> besides dancing by the fire pit? <laughs> I know really. Um, yes. So as we age, uh, what happens is a lot of women, you know, they go through perimenopause, the weight starts to creep on and menopause, it really blows up and they think I've got to work out more. I've got to work out harder. And more and more intensely is not better, especially if you fall into the super high cortisol at night, very poor sleep camp, or if your cortisol's rock bottom and you have no gas in the tank and you're just exhausted all day. So this is where balance comes in. Walking is the most underrated activity for fat loss. And you're talking to a former marathoner here. Like I was such a, I loved, love, love running. And, um, you know, Walking is really enough. It really is. You can add in hills, you can add in length. Longer is better. You know, if you can get 10 to 15,000 steps a day, you're totally going to lose weight that way. Um, but even 7,000 steps a day is a good base to aim for. And the other piece is strength training, of course, because this is going to work better than any metformin or, you know, weight loss medication. Strength training, you're building muscle. You're sensitizing your cells to insulin. You're uh, going to be more carb tolerant. You're going to be burning fat, but also you're just going to feel like you can conquer the world. I mean, the resilience 
mindset that comes with lifting things heavier than you thought you could is really exciting. Like I'm always excited when I can move up weights when I'm like, that's it really didn't, I'm not tired. I can actually increase and then go and die. And so, (laughs) but the cool thing is too, is that, you know, in your twenties, right. You're going to, a lot of people lift four days a week, five days a week, you know, in, in your menopausal years, actually two times a week is sufficient three, if you like. So I always say incorporate stretching. Stretching is something you should do every day just for joint flexibility and a decrease in pain. Um, uh, you can certainly do yoga if you like to. There's a great research study years ago that showed even doing yoga once a week could in- decrease the incidences of hot flashes. So I think keeping your joints healthy, limber, keeping your muscles strong, um, and just if if you want to do some high intensity cardio, you can either lift weights faster, or you know you can do some high interval intensity training, but just limit it to like 20, 30 minutes, especially if you've got cortisol issues or just don't have, you know, the reserves to really do it. Agreed. It's it's hard sometimes to help women understand that in particular. I think some men also, but we always think like harder is better. It's always better to run. If I can do that, I would rather do that than walk. And I saw it all the time. I worked on a metabolic cart for over a decade. And it's like, unless you were a very good runner in very good shape and very well fat adapted, when you went on a, on a VO2 max protocol from walking to running, your fat burn would absolutely tank. You would totally burn more calories, but those calories were not coming from fat. You would be burning more carbohydrate. Again, unless you were a very good runner, you could burn more and more and more fat, which would fuel that workout for a good runner who's well adapted to that. But most people, you do, like seriously, you burn more fat walking than you do running. Walking is so so beneficial. And I would even argue as much as I love the fat burning benefits and the exercise benefits, it's the benefits of being outside and watching a sunrise and the fresh air. I I don't know what it is about it. It, It's maybe a little bit more subjective, but I think that's where the benefit is. Yeah. Well, the benefit is your circadian rhythms are regulated and your brain is really happy. I'm glad you brought up the walking outside, walking outside in nature just lowers your cortisol. And this has been studied, whether you live in a city or you live in the country, being outside, you're getting 200 times greater spectrum of light than you are inside. Um, and so it's, yeah, I mean, just listening to the birds saying and, or hearing a brook, you know, from a, a babbling brook and just all of that is, is really, really peaceful and, and nice to do. So it's important. And, um, I was going to say something else about the, the running and the fat burning, but I will say this, you know, running, if you're doing too much intense cardio, it also increases your appetite a lot. Whereas walking won't increase your appetite. This is what I was going to say. Uh, there's a great study recently that came out that showed that walking for 10 minutes after your meals lowers your blood sugar by 17%. That's huge. And I've done this. It's huge. I mean, I, I've worn continuous glucose monitors, eaten my breakfast. My sugar went up to like 110. I go for my walk. I come back at 78. I'm like, hey, wow. that's pretty awesome. So, you know, it's... and. I'm not like a super fast walker. I'm walking my dog who like wants to sniff, literally stop and smell the roses every five minutes. So even just that little bit of movement is enough. Yeah, I love that. The, the, The one best thing that came out of the pandemic was the time to pause where there was not a lot to do and we could go out and start walking enough that it became a habit and we understood how important it was. And now it's a daily part of our, it's a, it's a part of our day every single day. And if we miss it or we're under steps or if it's a blizzard outside, it just doesn't feel the same. It's, it's a, 
real bummer when you don't get those steps in. It's such an important part of life. So I love that point. What other yes. lifestyle things do you help women with? We talked about mindfulness. We talked about nutrition. We talked mm. about exercise. We haven't really talked about supplements. What other things should we be mindful of? Yeah. Supplements, you know, um, they are definitely a supplement to your diet. You should not replace them. You know, you can't out supplement your lifestyle or a crap diet. So make sure that, you know, you're taking nutrients purposefully. You either can, again, work with a practitioner to work on your gut health and your hormones, but I'll give you a few foundations that are really important, especially if you're going to go on hormones. Um, number one, I love magnesium glycinate. Okay. This is uh, a type of magnesium that is specific to treating anxiety. And it's also really well absorbed. Like I used to use it a lot in chronic fatigue patients, Lyme patients, you know, people who had an inflamed gut and weren't absorbing their nutrients well and needed higher dose magnesium, but didn't want to get diarrhea either. It's from like magnesium citrate or oxide. So magnesium glycinate, wonderful form of magnesium to take. Um, a good solid B complex with methylation factors is important. A lot of people are so deficient in B vitamins. I see it, their neurotransmitter, their brain biochemistry is off. They have poor adrenal function and um, they're also not detoxing hormones from their liver. So a good B complex is great. A cruciferous concentrate can also be really important. Um, and then, uh, zinc, of course, the other super duper mineral zinc and magnesium are pretty much gone from the soil. I think that's why we're seeing so much, so many issues with fertility and low testosterone without zinc, um, and some B complex, you know, that's really going to be problematic. Um, but then I do love adrenal supporting herbs too: ashwagandha, holy basil, um, rhodiola, you know, those are beautiful adrenal supporting herbs that also lower your stress response and help you sleep. So that that's kind of just a nice, simple foundation. Of course, there's omega-3s, there's vitamin D, you know, all of those can be really, really beneficial too and, and, and necessary. We saw in COVID, you know, so much of COVID side effects came from people who are deficient in vitamin D. Vitamin so, D and zinc was another big one. You're right. Zinc. Yeah. yeah. So I have a whole protocol in my full script on like immune support and it has like silver, olive leaf, vitamin C, zinc, you know, wow. all no, of those are important. That's really great advice. And I agree with you. I spent many years selling supplements and we would just like sell them the kitchen sink, like this whole multivitamin with all kinds of stuff in it. And I, I don't, I don't know if it was beneficial. And I also wonder if maybe it caused some harm for people. We weren't asking the question, what are we using this supplement for? Do you need this supplement? Like there are needs for supplements and they are very helpful in certain situations, but that doesn't mean you need to go spend several hundred bucks a month at the supplement store, just loading up with a bunch of stuff because these bottles say they're going to be the magic pill for you literally. Um, so I think that's really yeah. good advice to have good reasons for doing the different supplements. And in that case, yes, these are tools that can be used. Yeah, exactly. And same thing goes for probiotics. You know, it's one of the most frequently asked questions, I guess. Do I need to take a probiotic? I'm like, I would really need to see your stool test to confirm that because not all probiotics work the same. Not, I've seen people take tons of probiotics who still have a leaky gut because that wasn't the root cause of the problem. You know, it's and they still can have an overgrowth of unhealthy bacteria and pathogens and just really low butyrate levels or, you know, other 
or low fiber in their diet or other things. So I'm like, look at the, the lifestyle piece first, control your stress, get rid of pathogens. Some digestive enzymes may also be beneficial, but again, not everyone needs those either. So it's really, really unique. Well, yeah. And to be able to identify some of that stuff, I think they need to be working with a professional like yourself. We mentioned your virtual practice. What does it look like to work with you? Yeah. So, um, by the time you're done with me, you're going to have a supermodel career, um, $5 million. In the- <laughs> By the time you're done with me, you'll feel really so much better than what you what you came to me with. So I work with people individually. I do have a team who helps me work with myself, my health coach. Um, and really, we optimize you over the course of six months. We really do t- extensive testing. We do metabolic blood tests. We look at the um, integrity of your microbiome and we look at your hormones. And from there, we put together comprehensive and customized eating plans, supplement regimes, lifestyle tools, everything we talked about here. And um, if you need a functional medicine GYN or MD, if you don't have a good one or a naturopath who can prescribe, then we connect you to someone who can support you with hormones and who is collaborative and who's going to listen to you and really do right by you and get you good hormones from a compounding pharmacy. So it's a bit of a boutique practice. Um, I'm also going to be launching group coaching programs and and some online programs in 2023 to just accommodate people at all entry points, Uh, which will be nice. That's amazing. I mean, between your book, Um, between your Instagram, your website is beautiful. Just you've got a lot of resources out there to help people. And we really appreciate that. And again, this has been such a fun conversation because you helped somebody like me understand this a lot better. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this and understand a lot of the benefit of these hormone replacement therapies that have gotten this weird bad rap because of crappy studies in the past. And they're missing out on the benefit because maybe they don't know about it. Maybe their doctor doesn't know about it. They're all misinformed. And so I think this work is really, really important. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to share this message with us. Where can people go to find you and connect with you or work with you? And where can they find the book? And also, if you don't mind, would you you tell us about the workshop you've got coming up? You're busy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So uh, in February of 2023, I'm hosting a live virtual event. So you can attend from anywhere in your jammies all day is encouraged. Uh, and it's going to really teach you how to make menopause your bitch at the end of the day. So the, um, to go and get your free VIP ticket, please go to estherblum.com forward slash menopause. There you can get my book. You can score a VIP ticket and you can also get um, my happy hormone cocktail PDF, which is a really nice comprehensive guide of basic things that you can do today to start changing and optimizing your hormone health. And so that's estherblum.com forward slash menopause. And then come hang with me on Insta at gorgeous Esther, because there's a lot of fun videos and content. And on Fridays, I answer people's questions personally. So we're really looking at expanding content and just making nutrition sexy, accessible, fun, very empowering. And the way we're going to change the trajectory of menopause is by demanding it from our doctors. If 6,000 women every day went to their doctor's office and said, I've done the research, I know what I want. Are you gonna help me get there? Or am I finding a new partner in this? 
all of a sudden, doctors are going to start going to medical conferences and be like, I have all these, they're going to be so irritated. I have all these patients and they just want hormones. What the hell is that? And the wheels will start spinning. They're going to be like, wow, you know, I know another doctor down the street whose practice is booming and she does use hormones. Maybe we should find out more about her training. That's how we're going to figure this out. And doctors, I mean, I'm like, dudes, dudes, including women, men, women, whoever, they're fools not to, because from a business perspective, it's a cash cow. Like, I mean, venture capitalists have estimated menopause at being worth $60 billion. <laughs> like, wow. Why are people not dialing into this? You get to help people and put food on your table. Wow. I mean, everyone wins this way. Wow. Wow, we'll so, take it take it from Miss Menopause 2022, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. Like, exactly. Oof. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That is fantastic. <laughs> we will make sure we link to all of that in the show notes. That is fabulous. Esther Blum, thank you so very much for all of your work. And thank you for helping us understand this a lot better. This is really important. Like you said, I think more people need to hear this information. And you're doing such a wonderful job sharing that message. So thank you so very much for all of your work. Thank you for your book. And thank you so very much for coming on our show today. We really appreciate you. Thanks, Casey. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long form, very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We are also offering group and one-on-one -on -one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Balanced Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to Balanced Body Radio.